Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, and welcome to the show. Got a jam-packed edition today. Got to talk some World Cup uh, with uh, the games yesterday and... Uh, the matchups today. Also going to get into some more NBA free agency about what went down and why. And of course, uh, I would be remiss without talking a little baseball. And I'll try to see if I can squeeze in uh, the initial rounds of football as well. Uh, just because uh, training camp is about to start. So we're starting to see the formation of uh, what the overall fantasy outlook might look like like for some of these teams so um maybe we'll get to delve into that in a little bit so without much further ado we're gonna get right into it with the world cup action so we had the matchups yesterday uh with france uh, defeating uruguay 2-0 uh, basically that match really culminated with just an awful awful goalkeeping blunder for the second goal i mean france uh Legitimately was not in any danger from Uruguay, uh, mainly because of the fact that Edison Cavani uh, could not actually uh, be even on the bench uh, for the game. Uh, he was uh, completely out of the matchup uh, with the hamstring injury. And, you know, with Uruguay, it was a team specifically designed around two players, Cavani and Luis Suarez. They have no other attacking options that they can uh, legitimately replace them with. And, you know, after that uh, injury, you know, it was basically a toothless attack because you can gang up on Suarez and he really had no one else to cross the ball into uh, to do any damage. So uh, France took advantage and, you know, the less said the better about the goalkeeping blunder against Griezmann. Uh, I mean, it's a straight on shot. That ball has to be caught or punched out. There's no excuse, uh, you know. And you know, it, it's just <laughs> unbelievable how in this tournament we've had multiple goalkeeping blunders, one after another. I believe the stat was this was the ninth goalkeeping blunder that resulted in a goal in the World Cup. I mean, this is supposed to be the grandest stage. I don't know what's going on with the goalkeeping, but and it's been happening not by just the uh, less than no keeper. This has been happening by everyone. So, I, you know, I, I just kind of shake my head, but there's no rhyme or reason I, I can think of to explain what's going on. But, 
it is what it is. And then in the afternoon matchup, we had Belgium versus Brazil in what was a classic matchup. Uh, you know, from the outset of the tournament, I said this was going to be one of those matchups that Belgium had to win. They had to figure out a way of getting the job done against one of the big boys if they were ever going to have the respect that they've been seeking for the overall football uh, fandom. Just because uh, for years people have been talking about this golden generation of Belgium athletes and they just had zero signature wins. You know, it's getting depressingly obvious that this was a make or break uh, year uh, for them in the World Cup. And, you know, it's not a talent perspective because they had more than enough talent to beat Brazil. Uh, just no one actually believed in the fact that, especially me, I, I just thought Roberto Martinez would screw this up. And I give him credit uh, because uh, it was it was a ballsy move playing Fellaini and uh, Nasser Chadley in the starting lineup. I, I would not have gone with that lineup. I, I thought that was a high-risk uh, proposition. Just because they came off well as subs doesn't mean that they're going to play well as starters. And you know what? They got, they got the job done. So... Uh, Credit to them. Uh, Brazil had their chances, but Brazil, for the life of me, could not finish any opportunity. It was mind-boggling how many chances that they actually missed uh, at point-blank range, uh, to be frank. It, it was uh, uh, alarming uh, to see how many opportunities Brazil just could not convert. And even when they did have opportunities, they they uh, they kind of uh, uh, threw them away just looking for penalties you know the less said the better about Neymar but uh you know Neymar was falling all over the place again uh just to make it a mockery of everything and you know everyone was tired of his act by the end of it even the ones that you know you might have been able to see referee just because they know who you are they made sure not to call anything that uh, looked remotely close and because of that, I actually think Brazil missed out on a penalty because Vincent Company goes to ground, makes contact, in the box, and no call. And video review, uh, VAR looks at this, and, you know, they just say play on. I, I don't get it. To me, VAR has to get that call right. But at the same time, I see where in terms of human bias comes into play where it's just like, I'm sick and tired of Brazil flopping all over the place. We're not giving them this call. To me, it's still a foul by company because even though the ball is rolling out of play and he can't make a play on it, I don't think that was a flop. I think that was legitimate contact there that you have to call. But I, I see where uh, so, some could be of the opinion that Brazil deserved everything that they got yesterday in terms of how they conducted themselves in this World Cup. Myself, I kind of look at this and say, you got to call the game. Whether, whether or not you've got issues with the style of play a team has, you still have to call it down the middle. That's just the way it is. But, uh, you know, I I can see the points of other other folks that look at it and saying that uh, Brazil uh, deserved everything that happened to them because of how they've been uh, conducting themselves uh, during the tournament itself with the amount of uh, flops, specifically Neymar. I think uh, Brazil has to come to a tipping point here. Tite has to go as a head coach. There, there's no 
question about that, but the, Brazil has to seriously ask themselves questions if they want to build themselves around Neymar, who seems to be more petulant than actually charismatic. Uh, I, I am not sure if this is the guy you can actually rally a team around. Uh, just because of uh, his actions, it seems as though it's more about him than it is the team. And I'm not sure if that can actually work in the, a World Cup setting because of how balanced the, these teams are in terms of firepower. Uh, I think you need a little bit more than that in order to win the World Cup. But let's talk about the matchups today because we've got... England versus Sweden. England is a slight favorite. Uh, the, the money line is at minus 120 on them. Uh, Sweden's coming in uh, with a spread of uh, plus 110 uh, to win. And uh, basically the, uh, the, uh, the favor uh, for uh, winning outright uh, over, uh, within the first 90 minutes uh, it would be uh, uh, Sweden uh, plus uh, 420, and then uh, the draws at uh, plus 230. So, you know, the better the betters are of the opinion that Sweden can't win this without it going into extra time or penalties. I, you know, I look at it from the standpoint of Sweden's got a composed enough roster. They're veteran players. They're not great by any stretch of the imagination. But if you play a solid matchup and you force England to bring the action, England does have holes in this roster. Uh, Colombia should have been able to expose it uh, if it weren't for the fact that they were so caught up in themselves and the referee uh, that they they couldn't get past their own shenanigans. Uh, you know, Colombia only has themselves to blame. Uh, Sweden is not nearly as talented as Colombia, but there were still opportunities where Sweden can take advantage of certain things in the midfield. I think you can overload on Jordan Henderson and get them flustered. I definitely think there are spots where Sweden can pick apart England as need be, but they have to stay patient and wait for the proper counterattack opportunity to avoid stretching themselves too thin. Because if they stretch themselves thin, England can't shred them apart. There's no question about that with their talent. But I think Sweden, you know, similar to the strategy they had against Germany. They can uh, actually uh, put uh, England in a number of awkward positions and, and try to uh, see out a victory in that fashion. Obviously, they lost the Germany matchup, but the overall game plan enough was uh, sound and required Germany to pull off an amazing free kick uh, to see out the victory. So, again, this is uh, a matchup where I think folks are kind of sleeping on Sweden uh, just because England had the emotional victory over Colombia in penalties does not mean that you can uh, discount Sweden at all uh, in their chances of uh, uh, winning in this matchup. So I would uh, look to see uh, how how this one plays out, but I definitely think Sweden has a legitimate opportunity to uh, uh, win, uh, uh, win the uh, matchup uh, here today. And then, you know, Coming down to Russia versus Croatia, this line's a pretty interesting because uh, Croatia is somewhat favored, but not really if you think about it in the context. So uh, Croatia is uh, plus 105, uh, which is just barely uh, uh, showing how much they're being favored. Uh, Russia is uh, uh, plus uh, 315 to win outright. 
and is uh, in order to keep it tied or uh, winning 90, uh, the the the, uh, the spread on that is a, a half a point uh, as the as a dog, and it's minus 120 uh, with a draw uh, in the full 90 being plus 215. So basically, what the betting line is telling you is that no one's really confident in Croatia beating Russia in full time. So that's why. They're only kind of hedging that Croatia's going to win in full time. Now, Croatia is a much more talented team than Russia. There's no even, there's not even a doubt about that. So I'm wondering if Bardas is fear of just shenanigans going on in Russia. But realistically, in the FIFA rankings, Russia is way down. I mean, the fact that they beat Spain is still like a head scratcher because there's no way. Uh, Spain should have lost that matchup, but they did. So be that as it may, uh, you know you, you've got uh, you got a host nation. Uh, the fans are going nuts. I mean, the betters could be afraid of that possibility that they're just inspired by the crowd and something crazy happens again just because of how lackluster Croatia looked against uh, 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 looked against Denmark. But you know. If we're being honest with ourselves here, this should not be an issue. But, uh, I mean, Croatia should take care of business. But, you know, we're going to see. And uh, I'm very much curious to see how that matchup plays out. Because, again, this is a very strange betting line. Croatia should be handily favored here. But, you know, this has been a wacky tournament thus far. So, I I can see why there would be some trepidation. You know, I, I had my doubts about uh, Belgium pulling off an upset against Brazil. Even though they had a more talented roster, there's just so much history going on that I, I get it. I get why there is trepidation involved uh, when you're uh, covering some of these teams. So, without much further ado, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the UFC before I get into uh, the... Uh, breakdown of uh, the matchups with my uh, father, who I'll bring on the line. So uh, tonight is the uh, UFC 226 card, headlined by the super fight between Daniel Cormier and the reigning UFC heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic. Uh, you know, Cormier, the light heavyweight champion, is stepping up uh, in weight class to fight Stipe. You know, this is one of those uh, matchups you want to talk about it, just because it seems crazy that you would have a light heavyweight fighting a heavyweight. Uh, but we, we, we talked about this when Doc John Jones was uh, the champion uh, for years. Uh, UFC fans wanted John Jones to step up and, and fight uh, Kane Velasquez. Never happened. Uh, you got Stipe uh, in the middle of a dominant reign as the heavyweight champion with a number of successful title defenses. And you got Cormier, who was carving up the uh, 205 division as a light heavyweight, uh, with the exception of losing to Jones. I mean, Cormier has dominated the UFC. Uh, they, I mean, the second fight, they ruled a no contest because of Jones's positive drug test. But, uh, you know, realistically, uh, Jones is the boogeyman to Daniel Cormier. Everything else he's done in his career, you know, Cormier's handled. So this is like one of those rare instances where Cormier, uh, outside of fighting John Jones, is an underdog because uh, uh, Vegas has the odds as 220 for Miocic and Cormier at 170. 
Cormier has fought uh, a, a, a heavyweight before, so he's not, as, you know, as much people want to make a case of, you know, Stipe is going to be too big for him. I just don't see it. Uh, you know, Cormier is used to fight. Cormier has fought uh, uh, at uh, this weight class before. He was a uh, strike force uh, heavyweight champ. I mean, he has done it at this weight class. This is not like a fish out of water here. This is a man who has beaten Josh Barnett at heavyweight. I, I mean, I just don't get the betting line here. I know Stipe is great on uh, his feet, uh, and he's shown great takedown defense, but he has not gone up against a supreme level type of wrestler the way Cormier is. And Cormier is underrated in terms of striking. In, ter in terms of uh, how he shut down Rumble Johnson, you know, he's been better at uh, exchanging fists, and he's uh, he's tricky. I mean, he can use the leg kicks, he can lose, uh, use the trips. I think that this is a very, pretty much a pick em fight. The fact that Cormier is this heavy of an underdog is surprising. I, I would have to uh, put the money on Cormier just from a valuation standpoint alone. I mean, I don't think uh, this is a, a, a winnable, uh, like a slam dunk fight for either uh, fighter. But, you know, if you're telling me that uh, uh, Cormier uh, is uh, that soundly an underdog, I got to put some weight behind him. Uh, there's no question about it. Just from a valuation standpoint alone, that's too good of a, uh, of a bet to pass up, uh, uh, given uh, his uh, his history and uh, already impressive accolades. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. But uh, I definitely want to talk about that. And the other match that will not be happening uh, that uh, was canceled uh, would have been the uh, featherweight champion, uh, Max Holloway uh, having to uh, give up uh, the opportunity to defend his title against uh, Brian Ortega due to just severe, severe complications uh, attested to uh, a weight cut and uh, that was uh, halted. You know, the issue that I have with this is the fact that, you know, time and time again, the UFC could be at the forefront of addressing the issue of severe weight cuts and how much that is devastating uh, to the human body. Uh, you know, uh, by all accounts, Holloway has been very upfront about trying to make the weight and just couldn't do it and was suffering from concussion-like symptoms related to the weight cut. You know, what I would ideally like to see happen and you know it's been talked about before but you know realistically the UFC has to be at the forefront as I don't see any of the other promotions uh, going uh, going to uh, do this uh, other than the UFC and maybe the others will follow suit but uh, going to a stance of weight uh, testing uh, weeks leading up to the fight to at least keep them within a certain boundary so that the weight cut is not as extreme as uh, what you're seeing. Because uh, realistically, so, some of these guys are carrying or uh, walking weight about 30 to 35 pounds more than their actual fighting weight. You know, and when you're looking at it from perspective of uh, cutting weight to 145, that's a lot different than cutting weight at a higher weight class. I mean, you're uh, so even if. Uh, 
at uh, 25, 30 pounds, that's still a significant amount of weight given the muscle mass because of how ripped these guys are. It's not a matter of they're out of shape. It's just the fact that the human body can only be at that weight for only so many hours because of how much uh, they have to deprive themselves of certain aspects of uh, food and nutrition to get down to that fighting weight. And then they rehydrate back up 15 pounds uh, for the uh, for the actual uh, day of the fight you know again it's not a healthy lifestyle and I, I would like for the USC to be uh, stepping more in, um, get more involved in terms of healthier weight management they leave it up to the fighters and look at them as independent contractors but with the number of fights that keep getting canceled uh, just due to uh, severe situations I mean we had Uriah Hall Almost, uh, from all accounts, uh, people were afraid that Uriah Hall was going to die from his weight cut. You know, you you got to have at least some measure of control with these fighters and how they're managing themselves. Uh, so I, I think the UFC really needs to step up its game in terms of uh, addressing the matter with a, a more healthier management of the weight cut and, and basically putting it on these guys that, if they're not healthily, healthily managing the weight cut, that they're going to start docking pay and possibly just pull the fight early weeks out in advance rather than it come up to fight week itself because the amount of promotions that they do uh, for the run-up to these fights, uh, like pull it off, pull it at the last minute, it just defeats the purpose. they got to be able to put these fights on. So I, I think uh, the UFC would be remiss if they didn't, look at other alternatives of exploring uh, how best to manage uh, individuals. So uh, we're going to move on from the UFC. Uh, like I said, uh, it should still be a very stacked card today, headlined by the Cormier-Miocic uh, uh, fight. Uh, but it, it is definitely taking a hit without Holloway on the card uh, against Ortega. And... Uh, Looks as though uh, we've got some Wimbledon action. Simona Halep in the battle right now. It looks like she she may uh, be in some trouble against uh, a contender. I'm not really that familiar with Shay, uh, but uh, we'll keep it a uh, monitor because uh, on the women's draw, it's basically just everyone's falling by the wayside. I, I mean, you've lost uh, Muguruza, you lost. Uh, uh, Wozniacki, Venus Williams went out uh, yesterday. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else at Madison Keys. Yeah, I mean, there, there were a number of women contenders. I mean, at Sharapova went down early as well. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're looking at a very thin women's draw because at this point, uh, I think uh, outside of Halep, uh, the only big names left would be Kerber, who's also incredibly flaky, and the returning Serena Williams because even though she had to pull out of the French Open, Serena still is not where she is physically compared to uh, having the, uh, a child. I, I mean, it's obvious. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's she's uh, she's still working on uh, getting back into uh, her top uh, 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 top conditioning. So uh, she's working through it, but she wants to compete, and I can't blame her because the way the women's field keeps dropping like flies. You know, it's still a, a matter of uh, her having a, a tremendous opportunity of winning this major without actually having to play too many top uh, uh, top high-end competition because of uh, the number of folks going down. So 
Uh, that's also something to keep an eye out for. On the men's straw, it's a little bit more balanced, uh, but uh, uh, you still got some of the heavy hitters still in the mix and the possibility of a uh, Nadal-Federer final, but uh, we'll see how uh, the rest of Wimbledon pans out. So uh, let's get right down to it in terms of the World Cup. I'm going to cue uh, in my dad, and uh, we'll uh, have a little combo uh, after this little break. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Strau have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. So, I mean, Kelly, I'll be honest, like, uh, because we're watching the game here between England and Sweden, and, oh, uh, that's a good another good save by Pickford. You know, a couple of things that caught me off guard with this one. A, I don't understand Sweden's marking at all because they, they've been losing too many guys uh, on their back line. And the, England has to uh, take advantage of it because, uh, I mean, to be fair, the score is 2-0 England, but this could easily be three or uh, three or four goals by England. Sweden has had their chances, but uh, at least on Sweden's chances, Pickford's made some great saves. So I, I, I attribute it more to great goalkeeping than anything else. But on the other end, I, I just look at this and say that uh, England, if they were more judicious with their chances, they could have blown this game wide open a while ago. Yeah, because, like I said, they're they, they, they at the back. And, you know, because, like I said, the, the, the goal, the second goal, yeah, uh, the two players was offside. But nobody was marking the reality, and he was not offside. He was offside. A couple of years ago, that would have been an offside because he had the two players in an offside position. But the guy who came after the ball was played. Yeah, he was on the way. He was on the way. Again, 
you can call it zonal marking or whatever scheme you want to say, but the core principle is to make sure that a guy cannot get a clean run and both goals. You could say that England had clean headers to work off of that left their keeper with no chance of making a save. O Olsen was l left high and dry both times. I do not like Zonal Market. I don't think it looks good in, 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 hey look, I don't even think it looks, I don't even think Zonal Market looks good in, 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 in all football. Because that's how hard on a cornerback get beat and get the safety speed in the process with this Zonal Market. I always believe you pick the guy up. If the guy is running, you run with him. You know, I think that's the most effective way to accept the model. And that way, it won't be like, oh, well, this is my area, this, this, this is his area. And, and, and you get that computer at the back where you see people running free all the time. Or, you know, two guys getting beat with one, one turn. You know, because I think it's that Jordan Mark, you know, and that's not my area. Then, then you wind up. You see it in all football too. You wind up with that down and, and, and guys are like pointing at in the yours. You know, I I really, really hate that. Yeah, no, it and, and like I said, Zeliani got such a free run that he could pick his corner where he could have put that header. There's nobody in front of him. You know. He can't be that free. I mean, he's playing up front. Somebody got to keep an eye on him. Yeah. You know. And it's not like he's not a good player. But that's my bugaboo. So, it, it, it's, it's not only a matter of your zonal marking. There's no concept as to who is supposed to be picking up whom in the zone. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's as clean a header as you will ever see. Yes! makers today despite having flaws in their game are both Deli Alley and Sterling because their speed has just disrupted Sweden now I have issues with the strategy Sweden took to this game because to me 
I thought they were going to drop their wing backs a little bit further to prevent some of the runs that have gone against them. But, you know, at the end of the day, Sweden chose to take a more offensive approach. I thought that was a mistake, but, you know, the speed of Alley and Sterling has caused them such fits on the back line because they don't have any support. So I think that's been one of the biggest drivers. I mean, to be honest, Harry Kane hasn't even had to do that much because of the fact that they've been getting so much speed off the wing. Sweden doesn't know uh, left from right because they're they're scrambling all over the place just to cover guys. Yeah, and I mean, if one thing you can see about Sterling, you know, he runs behind those balls. I mean, yeah, that, that's the one thing you can see. He will chase the ball, and he has speed. You know, there's not like he's a snacker that, that's gonna, when he realizes he's not gonna get it, he's gonna, no. He is gonna run that ball out. And also, we, we, uh, we, we got a Sweden player who's down, but I want to know if they realize that they're down two goals because guess what? You may be hurt, but you're down two goals. Get your ass up. And I'm going to say, not only get your ass up, drag yourself to the, to the side of the seat so that you don't hold the play up. You know, uh, it's, it's in England's best interest if you stay uh, down there. Unless... Bottom line, unless you have a severe leg injury, you cannot be down. I don't care if he hits you in the balls. You crawl off the field. You cannot be on the pitch holding up play when you're down two goals and you've got less than 15 minutes to play. That's irresponsible. But you know what I don't understand with some players? You know, now if you're up, I can understand you lying down and then you know, because if they three minutes on the, uh, on the thing, the referee never puts back three minutes. He may give you back two. Right. But he never puts back three. So, it, 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 if you go, you don't want to waste time. And I, I, if you look at, I mean, what's in it was, what's in it was that got blown off when the team tried to make a, a throw in. It's a uh, was in, was in the, the first round. Oh. And, 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 and I'm watching, I'm saying, I want to realize it's an extra time and the game is going to... And the, the guy, is, he takes the ball and he's walking towards the line to, to throw the ball in. And, he, and I'm like, what the hell? And then the three, 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 blow the game off. And I'm like, I mean, it's, it's, it's the... I hate to keep calling his name. It's, it's the J.R. Smith... Uh, uh, they, don't know, they don't know what time of the, you know, how much time is left or what's the score. Well, that's why. I'm like, this team is dumb, and, and, and the way how he's, you know, the way he's acting like, like they are. No? So yeah. I don't know if people know what's going on. And now Sweden's losing their temper. Again, you're down two goals. Shut up. And get on with the play. And, I, you know, I, it's like you want you want to blow off your frustration, blow off the frustration after the game.
But we we but we even saw this with Brazil yesterday. I don't understand. Listen, Brazil has only themselves to blame because the amount of chances they missed. I, I you know I kind of looked at it was you know if Brazil like even shot forty percent of their shots on net, they win that game easily, easily. Brazil sprayed so many shots wide of net when they had. Clear shooting opportunities, you know. You, you, you had you had a bad break with the bounce off the post early, uh, even though that wasn't a direct shot. But it's like Brazil had their chances. Now I blame I blame Tite for actually letting Gabriel Jesus start again when Firmino was out playing him the entire tournament. Uh, you know I don't get that one at all. But to me, when Brazil was down and it was late. Brazil still insisted on arguing with the referee on everything that happened. I know VAR should have given you the penalty. Everyone pretty much is in agreement that it was bizarre that VAR didn't review that play after uh, and tell the referee to take another look at the video. But after that point, Brazil just kept harping on everything the referee did. And it's like, you're down a goal. You need the goal. It's like even with five minutes of stoppage time, Brazil ended up wasting that same five minutes of stoppage time arguing over random things that happened in that second half. Yeah, I know. I know. The, 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 for some reason, look, the referee is not responsible for... If the referee calls something, yeah, you can actually do it. But, you know, it's... The, the, the thing about it is, is that, like this, you are always going to have to go against some in, 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 in any kind of sport. But you got to be smart about it. This is not basketball and stuff where you can take time out. Soccer is a constant moving game, and the clock ticks along. That's why there's no commercials in soccer. So you can't be holding up the game to argue. It just doesn't work. And for some reason, they they've been doing that all tournament. It's not just this game. They're just good times in games that they end up winning. You know. Well yeah, that well that was my issue with Brazil was the fact that even in the games they won they were still working over the referees and I kind of said it is that Brazil kind of put themselves in this corner where the referees were just kind of tired of their nonsense and just it, it, it just kind of waved everything off. Because if you saw in that game, the ref was just waving everything off. But, you know, I thought, you know, it was one of those where it's just like, if you're going to call simulation on Neymar, just call the simulation. But the referee was like, yeah, you might have gotten fouled, but I don't care. And he just kind of waved it off. Now, granted, it was... Not one, but two separate dives by Neymar in that game in the box. But both times, he just kind of waved it off like it was nothing. The, the referees in this World Cup ended up saying, they're a bunch of babies. I'm not going to be bothered. You know, now, it may not be right, but then it is, you only have yourself to blame. You know, because that's, that's what you started with. Yeah. 
And yeah. I, again, you know, the amount of speed on England, you're seeing where Sweden... See, I thought where Sweden screwed up here was... Again, I would have parked the bus, just play play behind the ball, and then hit on the counterattack, and you overload certain parts of the field where Jordan Henderson's lack of speed you could have you could have penalized England on. To me, Sweden played way too open of a game plan, and it allowed England to get the spacing that they wanted and put them in dangerous spots, which allowed for those set pieces to happen. You know, it wasn't just the fact that England had set pieces. It's the fact that they had the run of play, which led to those set pieces. Yeah, they, 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 you can't have... That, and that's a dumb yellow card by Maguire. Maguire can't get that yellow card. I'm not, I'm not upstairs right now. But I can't see it. Yeah, they, 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 they can't play that much of an open game. With, with somebody with with still that kind of can't have put the places with Sterling. Uh not just Scottish play the way, but uh I'm not having the races with it's it's it's, it's just it's just stupid because he win a lot of those. You know. I'm just not having two places with two. Yeah. So, so you, you, you're going to have England advancing, and now they're going to be playing the winner of Russia-Croatia. And it seems as though everyone's afraid of picking Croatia because they don't know exactly what's going on with this Russian team, if there's shenanigans involved. But people seem to be genuinely afraid of picking Croatia, even though Croatia, without question, is the better team. There's no question about it. It's like, I don't know what Spain was doing last game other than trying to find ways not to win the game, but th- there's no I, question. That's, that's I don't understand why I would be a fan of that shit because I don't think they're that hard of a team to beat. They shouldn't be that hard of a team to beat. Uh, it, uh, to, to, it, they are, without question, the least talented team uh, in the quarterfinals, without question. Uh, I mean, it, overall talent-wise, Sweden has them beaten spades. It's not even, it's not not, not even close. Yeah. And I think, uh, like and I think, well, Cro- and to be perfectly honest, I think Croatia's, be- I think Croatia's actually a better team than England. I actually, the, the the Croatia once Spain went out of the picture, like to me, Croatia should have been the. Uh, one celebrating the most because I think Croatia has the best overall team uh, just because without uh, they should be uh, the most dominant midfield left in the tournament now uh, uh, that's not France uh, because if you look if you look at it uh, you know France uh, France and Belgium uh, would be uh, one two in terms of midfield but Croatia on the other side of the draw I mean they got the best midfield uh, left on that side of the bracket, and once Spain went down, you know, I would have looked at it and said Croatia sh- uh, should be the ones 
come out of it, everyone put, uh, put their weight behind England. Uh, and, you know, Eng- England had a, a solid performance today. But, I, again, you know, it's been a wacky tournament, but I'd be shocked if Croatia went out today. It might be even more shocked uh, uh, than Spain losing because, again, Croatia just dodged a bullet because they played lackluster against Denmark. If they come out flat again, I'll be really shocked. I, I just don't see uh, uh, Russia uh, pulling off an upset here. And, and if they did, I, I, I'd almost say Putin's got something, some kind of involvement in it. Uh, hey, hey, hey. What are you trying to see? That he's acting like a KGB? Hey, hey. Well, I, I, well, I, 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 I would say that uh, I, I, I would say that the FIFA referees seem to be. Easily swayed. He's a political ambassador. Yeah. I hope I hope you are not in, included in, you know, accusing cousin Vlad of of, of of being a dishonest guy. <laughs> so I I I you know, I think that that'd be very, very inhospitable of you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, before I, before I let you go, Callie, I I I got another Wimbledon update for you, because uh, I, I know you'll love this. We had yet another upset on the women's side of the draw as number one seed Simona Halep goes down before the quarterfinals. I told you, you know, when Venus lost yesterday, when Venus Venus. Ever since she got that image, she's never, she's never really come back to being, yeah. You know, yeah. the age, the age is going. Well, the, the the interesting thing with the Venus matchup, she had a chance to win that in two sets, and uh, it just didn't uh, pan out. But that third set kept going on and on, and I was like, the longer this match goes, the worse it, uh, yeah. it's going to work out for Venus. And she just got too tired in the end. Any any time it, it goes wrong, it's, it's it's that thing that she gets tired. You know, you see it all the time. But it's really really ridiculous that these young women can't hold up the end of the party. You know, I mean, again, I see yesterday Madison Keys is gone. I I don't know what 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 it is with with. You know that that this they gotta depend on these two women to be old enough to the thing. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. Well, I think it just speaks to the lack of consistency overall in their game and approach. Because, you know, my my feeling is though is that they don't seem to have a plan B when. Plan A doesn't work. It's like if their primary game isn't working, they can't figure out a way of uh, pulling out a game when you know they they only got uh, B minus game. It's like uh, you know it's like a or a C game. It's like they can't. It's like when things are going rough. It's like they're like, well, I'm gonna just keep trying to barrel through and hope it works out. It's like they don't have like, an. Um, open... AJ, the picture. Oh yeah, yeah, AJ Burnett, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an AJ Burnett. Be- because I know you don't, or, uh, 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 I'm, I'm gonna get shipped. Yeah, well, it- Brian did up. 
can't grind it out. Yeah. yeah today, I don't have my best stuff, you know, but you just grind it, you know, you know what I'm saying? This is going to be one of those days, you know, well, but yeah, and I would say, like, even beyond the Williams sisters, like, the, the mentality, I just don't see the killer instinct in some of these competitors because, you know, if you go back to the days where the Williams sisters had to go up against uh, Hingis and uh, Justine Anna, uh, you know, those girls, like, even though they wouldn't consistently beat the Williams sisters, they gave them a hard match. And, it's like, and then when the Williams sisters were out of it, they're like, yes, I'm winning this major now. Uh, I, I caught yeah. a break, and it's like they would take the initiative. I don't necessarily see that aggressiveness uh, on the women's draw. And, you know, you could also kind of make that same argument on the men's side of the draw. It's like the only guy that really made a push in the last couple of years is Stan Wawrinka. And Wawrinka was hanging around the circuit for years, and then, like, you just said, no, I'm winning a couple of majors. And then he made that push, but like, there's a bunch of young guys on the men's tour, and I'm just looking around and saying, you know, I keep waiting for you guys to make a move at, at one of these majors, and you guys don't bring it to the table. But at least Andy won something. These guys can't even win one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there, there, there's got too many guys that. Uh, that yeah, uh, uh, kind of like in limbo. Yeah, it, it's like, there. It, you know, part of it, I think, you know, I almost want to say that the, uh, the, the, te- uh, the ATP and the WTA have to start rethinking the point system because I think too many of these folks are just like playing all these tournaments to rack up points rather than focusing on winning the majors. And, yeah, you, you can put on all these different tournaments around the world, but, you know, at a certain point, you're looking at it and saying, you know, where are these stars going to be bored? You're not you're not going to be bored on the Master Series. You're bored at the Majors. Yeah, that's where you make your mark. And they're just not – I don't think there's nearly enough incentive uh, being brought in. I think the money is too good on some of these regional tournaments. That's what, that's what I'm not going to tell you. Tournament. 
but therefore major. And the other these players now, you could run out all over the place and bring all of these songs because it's not that big a deal and they make good money out of it. And I don't think they care much about the next And I think that's sad. Yeah. I think that's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> because they, 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 they don't, they don't, they just, you know, it's like they play a major just like they play a regular, a regular tournament. And I, I, I don't know how you can do that, you know. Yeah. It, 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 it is mind-boggling at times because, you know, there used to be a time where you could count on the fingers, like, the number of top seeds that went down before the quarter. It's like, realistically, missing out on the quarters and you're a top 10 seed would be just unthinkable. Now it seems to be like a regular thing, and I just can't put my finger on it. It's the thing, though. It's, the, that's the, it's not that big a deal. Because, like... Every once in a while, you'll get a matchup where, okay, it's a returning champion that's been away on injury that got in as a wild card. Okay, you got a bad draw. So That happens from time to time, but that, that that's tennis. It happens. But the fact that you're getting knocked off by some unknown players, it's just like, you know, okay, maybe they have some game to them. And, yeah, we like to see an upset now and then. But then it's like you're getting knocked off by people who then don't go on and do anything else the rest of the year. It's just like... It's not like you got knocked off by some unknown breakout star. You just got knocked off by an unknown that didn't do anything else the rest of the year. So, uh, to no, me, it's more no, a reflection no, on you. That's going to be an unknown. That's, that's the problem. That's like you say. You, 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 get, you get knocked off by a young Venus Williams. And, you know, the other thing is... Oh yeah, I remember um, when you came up, I, I, I got there and I'm like, who's this kid, you know? And then did I know it would be so great. And but no, you get knocked up by Jake Snow and three ladies. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think it's it. And I don't think they, they worry. I think when they get knocked up, they don't have to play. And and why would so wherever they're gonna fly and, and don't even bother with it. They're ready for the next tournament. Yeah. You know. Because like I said, they're all millionaires. You know, they, they, they because those tournaments need a lot of money. Yeah, I, I just I, I I just gotta uh I just look at it and shake my head because I can't put my finger on it but I, I just think that they're, they're going to have to address the matter because you can't have your major tournaments missing out on so many top players. Uh, or at least you got to find somebody that's worthy of, the, of being declared a top player because now it's like they, they, they have to do bios on like 20 different people because, you know, you can't rely on the uh, eight or nine people to consistently be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the same, like I said, it's the same thing with the golf. It's that you, you, I mean, 
that guy that won the U.S. Open, so he, he, he ended up as back-to-back. Yeah, yeah, Brooks Kepka. Um, he ends up as back-to-back U.S. Open champion. But what did he do between last year and this year? Well, the, well, that was the it, that was the knock on Kepka is that he doesn't really stay all that healthy and he's relatively inconsistent in terms of other tournaments. Uh, so it's like they talk about him as a grinder, but to me, a grinder is someone who's in it for every tournament. It is like, or at least near the top of the leaderboards. Kepka has a, a bad tendency of flaming out of uh, different tournaments. So you know that's why. You know, yes, he's got the back-to-back U.S. Open, so I give him credit. But to me, it's more because of the weird hole uh, set up at the actual at the actual tournaments themselves, and just being right place, right time, rather than the individual skill of the golfer. It's like I I, I have a hard time believing what the U- USGA is trying to sell me on. We test out the best golfers because my stance is you really don't because again. If it were the case, you'd have you'd have bigger names winning the, some of these tournaments. It's just you know it depends on time of day, circumstances, and the weather, and you know sometimes you need a couple of breaks to go your way uh, on the I, course I, itself. Look, I don't believe it. Look, I always say, I always say consistency is the thing. You know, you gotta be yeah. You you win two two you win two majors. But then when you look at your record, it's, it's void of wins. I just the two major stand out there. So if I'm looking at it and I'm judging you over your career, I'd have to say that you were lucky. <laughs> what else am I going to say? i got to say you were lucky. And then, you know, maybe years from now, nobody may remember how horrible the 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 win was you know and and the the fought you know but um it's 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 yeah it's it, I'm gonna have to say that you was lucky because it's supposed to be easier to win a regular tournament than it is to win a major and look I, I keep always saying, the one thing I always say when everybody talks about, you know, Mankawa and then money, they're going to replace Tiger, and the, the reasons why the ratings is no good is because of two things. One of the, one of the things that was that Tiger was so consistent every single week whether it be a regular tournament or a major, you'd win, you'd win that, and you'd win this, and you'd win, and every single Sunday is out there. So what ends up happening when it's like that, you wind up having a big rating because there's a bunch of people that's going to hate him and want him to lose. I'm sick of this, but you don't want him to lose. Everything, they think he's the best, and da da So they go there looking for him to lose, and then you have the other half who just appreciates what he does and roots for him to win. That's ratings. Yeah. You know, all ratings are not positive ratings. Everybody don't, don't have good ratings because people love them. Mohammed Ali had a lot of people watching just hoping that he gets his brains knocked off. 
you know, but that's raving. It's called interest. You see? But when you're very inconsistent, it's not the watch. Yeah. You know, guys sit in a barn, somebody says, ah, let's let's go to that game. Ah, you probably lose that fucking guy. You don't want people saying that. Because they more think they're gonna be wasting their time. I would probably go there and probably tell something. Da, 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 da. You can't have people thinking that. A guy is watching a good show. He don't want to cut it off because he realized the 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 other back night. Yeah. Gotta see what's going on. You know. You don't want a guy saying, "Hey, probably joking." That guy is. That's a problem. You know, that's a problem. Because it's like, I can take it or leave it. No, that's, that's not good for TV. You want people that, to come, whether you want them to lose or you want them to win. You want people to watch. Don't let it get where, the, the one thing I say with basketball, you got to be careful that the Warriors, they don't let the Warriors make it where you gotta watch it. Yeah, they're gonna win anyway. No, no problem. I'll watch next year. They're gonna win this year anyway. You, you don't want it to get to that. Gotta have keep it interesting where somebody can do something to 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 beat them. So I I don't know. You know. So I, I, unless somebody else goes to to Houston and you know full of that thing that a reason left. I'm not sure Houston can beat them because no. Now I thought Houston would have beaten them if Paul didn't get injured. Houston, Houston, Houston has basically missed their window of beating the Warriors. Last year was the year to do it because you had an injured Steph Curry. Because they could say what they want, Steph Curry, you know. I don't think never got back into a rhythm. He was trying to force his way through it. And I thought that hampered his game quite a bit. Because it was only because of the fact that he felt no pressure from the Cleveland Cavaliers that he was able to start hitting shots again because the Cavs couldn't put any pressure on him. Uh, because, you know, the Cavs guards are hot garbage. But anyway. You think so? <laughs> Newsflash. The Cleveland Cavaliers guards are not very good. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know... Once the fact that, because, uh, you know, Harden was actually putting in some, a modicum of effort uh, last year in the playoffs. And because Steph was hurt, uh, Steph was hurt, you know, I, I think it showed in his game where he was expending a lot of energy and his, his shot just wasn't there because of the knee. But, you know, at the end of the day, Chris Paul always seems to get hurt in the playoffs. It just, it's, uh, you know, nice guy, you know, good guy, uh, represents the Players Association well. He's done... Yeah. I mean, he's he's done very well for the Players Association, this, that, and the other. But, you know, I mean, he got hurt when he was with the Clippers. He got hurt when he was on the Hornets in the playoffs. It's like whenever he's just in a spot where, you know, his team's looking to him to be there... He ain't there. He gets hurt, you know, 
and it's unfortunate to knock on them, but it's true. And, you know, some guys are Hall of Famers without actually winning the title. I think, you know, as the primary lead player on a team, though that's past him. I think Chris Paul would actually have to be like a hanger on on a championship team if he ever if he's ever going to get one. I think he's going to have to go down the route that Gary Payton eventually did when he was on the Heat and he got his ring on that team when he's no longer the dominant player and he's more like the fourth or fifth option on the team. And it gets a title that way because I just don't see it happening in Houston. I I think that Warriors team is too strong for Houston because unless Houston can find a way of bringing in someone that can do all the things that Reza did and score and take the load off of Harden and uh, Chris Paul, I don't see how they're beating a, a healthy Golden State team. And if Boogie Cousins comes back to even being 60% of where he normally is, forget it. Because the Warriors are going to get so many easy baskets underneath the paint because you are you have to overextend your defense to, uh, uh, to prevent the guards from shooting over the top on you. You're going to leave the post wide open. Cousins is going to eat him alive if you, if you give him one-on-one coverage. So if Cousins is even remotely healthy, that's why I think people are just... Uh, because uh, uh, like first people were saying, well, the NBA is officially broken. Uh, Cousins uh, signed with the Warriors. You know, I don't think it's going to go that way. I think the Warriors are just going to hold on to him as the, the ace in the hole, wait for him to get healthy. Cousins may not like it, but he's going to have to suck it up and deal with it because you know the knock on him is that he's not a team player. So I think uh, they're they're going to wait it out and come playoff time, they're just going to unload him on teams and. You're not going to have an answer for that squad. I I think that with Cousins, they're going to get the best behavior of Cousins simply because if he doesn't, he will get a hold. Because if, if the Warriors don't need him to win, okay, they don't need him to win. So the problem you have is that if he misbehaves, they just put him on the bench like if he never joined the team and just go with the team that won last year. He has to know that. I mean, look, I know players are stupid and we keep saying they can't be that stupid and they always show us that they're more stupid than we think. But he's got to figure out that I've got to behave because they will just leave me on the bench and win without me and then nobody will ever give me a big contract. I'll be paying for the minimum right through the rest of my career around the NBA if I ever get another call from somebody. Because to me, if Cousins screw up with Golden State there, I think he may end up like a, a Latrell Freeman. Yeah. Where, where, where. Yeah, because. Yeah, because Spree at the very end, when he flamed down in Minnesota, that was it. No one no one gave him a call, and Spree could still ball, but yeah, you're right. No one gave him any, any phone calls. No, no. They just left him. They just left it like you know, the, the body dance thing. Hey, guys, I'm available. 
official Dwight Howard is about to become the next member of the Washington Wizards.
I, I mean, not New Orleans Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the um, the thing about Tony Parker siding with Charlotte is it's because uh, one of one of which is the fact that the the former assistant of the Spurs, Borrego, is now the coach of the Hornets, and Parker was losing his playing time anyway uh, as the starting point guard. So you know, if you, I think he wanted a change of pace, but. I think he also wanted to get away from the Kawhi nonsense. I think that Kawhi nonsense basically broke the Spurs because they had to carry that team for the entire year with a guy who just did not want to play basketball for them. And I and I really think that was pretty much the straw that broke the camel's back. So I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, at this point uh, Manu decided to retire because you know you got you got Parker out of the way. You know, Manu was basically kind of hanging on to be part of the core unit, but with that being gone, I wouldn't be shocked if Manu decides to retire and you still got Kawhi uh, sulking about not getting traded to L.A., which, you know, because, again, according to all the accounts during the season, the tipping point that really pissed off Popovich the most was when the Spurs went out to New York to check in on Kawhi and see how his progress was doing. Kawhi and his camp had uh, hid Kawhi so that the Spurs people couldn't find him because they felt they felt it was a breach of trust that they would actually c- come to New York to check in on him. You know, I, you know, I, I don't. I can't find the words to properly express how ridiculous that is, because if you're getting paid, but but that's the thing. That that's my point. That it's like it's so obnoxious that I I, I can't even find the words. Because to be honest, if if, uh, if they can verify that story, honestly, the Spurs are being way too nice about this. I dock his goddamn pay. <laughs> you're 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 telling me I'm cutting you checks. You don't you don't co- you don't contact us. It's like okay, you're you're pissed because you think we misdiagnosed you. Fine. You got it was like we didn't want you to get an outside opinion, but you got your outside opinion. You don't think we have the right to check in on you when you don't respond when we call to check in on you? And, you know, did, did you not sign a contract saying that you would play basketball with us? Did Are you playing basketball right now? Am I not entire, entitled to actually know where, what the hell you're doing? I, you know, the, the audacity to, to act as though the Spurs have done you wrong. And it, it annoys me even more when I see it in the media talking about Kawhi's feelings. I don't give a rat's ass about your feelings. You're under contract. You're being paid. You owe it to your employer to actually do your job and report in. If you're hurt, you're hurt. But you have to check in. If you're not checking in, what the hell are you doing? You're stealing money. I look. I, I, I. Like, like I say, it's it's like this mentality. Um, you know, parents. You have a a a sixteen year old or a fifteen year old, and and you're telling me, well, 
you know, um, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't if, if, if I go check in his room, he's going to think I don't trust him, and, and, and you got to show them that you trust them, and, you know, it, it, are you fucking kidding me? I am your parent, and, and you're telling me, you know, I, I, I'm taking charge. Yes, and I am taking charge of you. I am responsible for you, and I am going to show it. You know, trust is earned. You know, people act as though you guarantee trust. Yeah, listen, if I'm away from my job, and someone from the office calls to check in to see how I'm doing, I'm not taking that as an offense. It's just bad, bad or business. They're calling to check in. Yeah, could they have? Could they want to know more about if something else might be going on? Yeah, it's possible. But it's not as though I, I have the right to feel aggrieved. You're being paid to do a job. It's their right to check in on you. It, you know, for you to carry on as though my feelings are feeling betrayed because you're not giving me complete and utter wherewithal to do whatever the hell I please, when I want to, how I want to do it. You know, life doesn't work that way when you're an employee. When you're the boss, yeah, you can run your company however you see fit. But when you are the employee, guess what? You answer the people. And you have to be professional. There is nothing. There is nothing about Kawhi Leonard's. Yeah, but. I am. I don't come to work. You know, I call. You know, I'm always calling. Oh, I'm not well. This is happening. Wait a minute. So they are supposed to always trust that. I am telling the truth. Even though you as a big person is simply and saying sounds like bullshit to me. Yeah. But it, it, it but it, there were there were two things I that we... on, I can't go and check because Dylan is gonna think uh, I, I don't trust it. Okay, Kevin, I don't trust it. I'm paying you. Yeah. But That's the, the, the trust. I'm paying you. But but the, the, there are two things that really pissed me off about how this narrative is being portrayed by other folks in the media. Two things really piss me off. A, some folks try to bring it into the race, uh, play play race uh, in this always, one. Always. Because always. because they, they, they try to say that it's a black player and it's a stodgy organization that likes to do things by the letter, this, that, and the other, and it's a culture clash. Listen, the Spurs have been working with people from all walks of life for Decades. I mean, this is a, this is a franchise that uh, dealt with Dennis Rodman for uh, for crying out loud, and and Rodman still had nothing but good things to say about the Spurs. So don't don't get me started with that nonsense about culture clash nonsense. Uh, that that's that's a load of BS. So that that's Kawhi's camp trying try to spin it uh, when he's being petulant. The other thing that uh, really pissed me off is the fact that. People are like, well, the Spurs misdiagnosed the injury. No, they didn't. That's Kawhi's opinion of the situation. Kawhi and his medical team. 
like, the, 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 he only saw one second of pain. Callie. The, my thing. It's not proven. And, and people are acting as though it's fact. Kawhi only went to one other source to get a, a, an explanation saying that, oh, well, it was misdiagnosed. The Spurs could have forced him to go to an, a, another doctor and get a third opinion or a fourth opinion or how many opinions. Kawhi set up this narrative where he went to one other specialist that found it saying, nope, we think this is wrong, and they've been at this stalemate the entire time. You know, I am sick of this narrative where it's like, oh, yeah, the Spurs got it wrong. Are you sure about that? Because by all accounts, Kawhi only went to one other source. So basically, it's a he said, it's a, a he said, they said situation where it's like you got two different opinions. Usually when it comes to a head like this, you come to an arbitrator who says, yeah, OK, let's go out and get a, a, some general consultation from multiple sources to kind of get to the bottom of this. And Kawhi doesn't want to do that. You know why he doesn't want to do that? Because by all accounts, from the general uh, indications that people who have been uh, uh, briefed on it throughout the season, most people think that the Kawhi injury is overblown and that he could have played, but that you know he wasn't feeling he wasn't feeling up for it and it didn't feel great at first. So he got a second opinion and they said, "Okay, do this." And he's thinking, "Well." I'm already annoyed with the Spurs as is because I want this, that, and the other. So he used the injury to delay it. And, you know, that's why you got uh, his own teammates uh, with uh, Parker and Ginobili calling him out on it because everyone knows it's BS. You know, he can play. if He, w- he wouldn't be demanding this trade if he couldn't play. He could have played this entire time. You know, this is just a narrative where he doesn't want to get injured further, so he's not going to risk it, and he's just going to try to force his way out. But don't act as though the Spurs have done him dirty because in any circumstance where an employee did this to an employer, you would describe this as insurance fraud because he's collected a paycheck for an injury that has no, long, that has no bearing on his ability to perform his job currently. He can play basketball right now. So right now, the fact that he's still collecting a paycheck from the Spurs without actually contributing anything uh, beyond the nine games this year is basically fraud. I don't know. Uh, but, my, my, but my thing is, I, I would strongly... Uh, look at any team looking to acquire Kawhi, and you better be you better be sure you can control him. Because after this stunt, I I highly doubt that any team can control it. Because if he's willing to do that to the Spurs, what do you think he's going to do in L.A. when the media attention's on him and he doesn't like media coverage? I you really want to commit two hundred million dollars to that? Good luck, good luck because. I, 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 I'm looking at it right now, and it's like, this seems like a guy, and uh, I think it was actually, yeah, actually it was Skip Bales. I have to give him credit for this one because, you know, he brought he brought up a point that I was thinking about. It's that, you know, maybe part of it is that he's already burnt out playing basketball and wants to payday but wants to be close to home. 
and he wants to have his cake and eat it too. But to me, when the stories are coming out that he doesn't really care if it's to the Lakers or the Clippers, it, it means no preference. To me, that kind of screams, okay, it ain't about really winning so much as he wants to be, he wants the adulation of being wanted and have his money too. Look, let me tell you something. Kawhi is a better player than Jimmy Butler. Okay? But if, if, if I was going to pick right now, if, if, if I really, really play from Kawhi, that he does not have a preference, whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers, I would pick Jimmy Butler. Because you can't tell me, you can't tell me, that you have a choice to play with LeBron James, like um, somebody says um, he doesn't want to play with, with he, he's not he's not overjoyed with, him with LeBron. Well, if you come from the Spurs, if you come from playing with the Spurs and you get a chance to play with LeBron, watching how LeBron plays, and the standard that he, 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 he plays at, the, the level that he plays at, and you saying you, you, you don't care to play with him and you'd rather go to the Clippers, I would hope that the management ease your request and send you to the Clippers because you can't get me. You really serious about winning basketball games. Uh, you know, I'd rather... I'd rather the argument that Jimmy Butler had with with um with those guys when he said that they wasn't playing, they wasn't taking it serious enough. Yeah, enough, no, no, I, enough, I, I, uh, okay. There, there, there are a couple of guys in the NBA that have legitimate beefs that I, 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 I can, I could say, one of which is Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler got traded because the Bulls were going into full rebuild mode, and so they traded him to Minnesota with Thibodeau. Thibodeau has his hands full because it seems as though Carl Anthony Towns is siding with uh, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins is a bust. Wiggins doesn't play defense. He doesn't seem to want it. He, he likes having the money, though. So he, he'll gripe about not getting the money of uh, being paid as a max player when he's not even close to being a max player. But, you know, delusions aside, Wiggins uh, hasn't brought it to the table where he he can actually justify his value uh his value that he, he says he's worth. So you got Wiggins. You got Towns who doesn't play defense and is arguing with Thibodeau about the level of defense he's playing at. You know, a lot of defense is effort and to me, you know, him like kinda having a back talk with Thibodeau is a big warning sign that he's not ready to be a leader of a team. And guess what? Jimmy Butler was picking up on that. He, he, like, he played the season. It's like, they, uh, you know, he got banged up, but they made the playoffs. But he's looking at it. It's like, you know, we need to make it to the next level. And I'm not sure these guys these guys seem to be satisfied with what we did last year. And I'm not satisfied. So I get Jimmy Butler's beef because he's like, hey, I need to win now in my prime. And it's like, you know, we need to make some moves here. And he's not seeing that level of commitment from his teammates. So, I get where Jimmy Butler is. I also get where Damian Lillard is. Because Lillard is in a spot where 
He's in Portland. He knows that team's run its course. So it's either he's got to move or C.J. McCollum's got to move. He likes being in Portland, but no one... They they don't seem to be able to attract any free agents because it's it's the uh, it's Portland, so he knows the trade's got to happen. So, you know, people were I thought were reading too much into the LA uh, uh, that uh, the LA tweet that was sent to him, but you know, if I'm Lillard, I've been busting my ass the last couple of years, but I'm not. I know I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not going to demand the trade, but you know. I got to have my team come up with some creative way of getting a player up here. So I get Lillard stance. The people that I don't get are Paul George. Because Paul George made us think about how Oklahoma City welcomed him from day one and and, and uh, wrapped his arms around him. And that's why he didn't take the meeting with the Lakers. Because the Lakers could have traded for me if they really wanted me in the first place. We talk about this all the time, about knowing circumstances and, uh, and and being aware of your surroundings. Paul George is on an Oklahoma City team that is nearing $300 million in payroll right now because of the luxury taxes that they have to pay for his contract, uh, uh, Westbrook's contract, and the $28 million that they owe to Carmelo. That team's going nowhere. He's, he's he's talking his BS about competing for a championship when they just got knocked down in the first round by a Utah team that was literally a one-man show because Donovan Mitchell really didn't have much help uh, on his side. But they still got knocked out because that Utah team had more uh, grit than they did. So for Paul George to talk this nonsense about the Lakers should have given up all their assets on top of paying the fine that they paid to the NBA for tampering, in the first place, people keep forgetting about that. It's like the Lakers were having conversations with uh, him, and that's what uh, Adam Silver fined him for. So that trade wasn't going to happen last year because Silver definitely didn't want to happen on top of a tampering charge. But Paul George has has the nerve to say, oh, well, they should have given up the assets to get me. What makes you actually worth the assets that the Lakers held on to when you couldn't even get out of the first round? And you played terribly. It's like there are certain guys in the NBA that I honestly think have no sense of their valuation in terms of relative so, value. So what are you telling me? That the one good game he played and named his best player of speed. What do you think? Uh, you don't put any stock in that? Oh, uh, God. You know, you know I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. Bring up. Why are you kind of hard on these guys? You, know? you don't, you don't, you don't give them any leeway. You know. Oh God, playoff P. I, I, look, 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 let me tell you something, okay? Now, I shouted from the top of my lungs when they did it that the Knicks never should have traded for Camelo Anthony. Look, I'm telling you, know you know what I don't understand with the general manager. You telling me you want to play for me? Okay? You want to please. You got one year left on your contract. I am willing to wait. Because I am thinking that when you come to play for me, you want to meet my team in the best of shapes. 
you want me to give away half the team to bring you here for one year and then when you come here I gotta pay you like you come in as a free agent. Yeah. Now you tell me what kind of business sense that makes. The, but that's that's why I laugh. All my young cabins. All this is not baseball where you trade for a guy who who has four years on his contract, you know. But here's the but here here's the best part about not knowing your true value. The Pacers traded you and finished pr- just as well, if not better, than they did with you, and they almost beat LeBron in the first round. Again! I'm telling you, look, in baseball you don't have a cap. So you can do anything. If you have money, if you're like the Yankees and you got money, you can buy anybody. You understand? Because there's no cap. In basketball, there's a cap. In football, there's a cap. It makes no sense in trading for a guy who can come to you next year and it don't cost you nothing but the money you're going to pay him. Yeah, which but, you're going to pay him anyway after giving away half the team. Th- but this is my thing. I mean, th- somebody's th- got to show me one of these days how that makes sense. I... I it, I am waiting for that because I keep hearing that because I, I, I keep hearing on ESPN it's like, well, the, 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 you can't wait. You can't have the Paul George situation repeating itself. And I'm like, what Paul George situation? The one where he got offended that you didn't trade half the team and he still couldn't beat uh, a one-man team in Utah when he had Russell Westbrook next to him? That Paul George? It's like, who are we kidding here? Who are we kidding? Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 there's nothing I hate like a trade like that. My thing, my thing with a trade is that if I'm trading for you and you're a big player, you gotta have at least two years on that contract. I gotta be trading for something. You know, no, I know I'm gonna have to extend your contract after one, but I gotta have you for at least two years. I can't trade for you for six months, give away half my team, and then you build along one of my contracts. What am I getting out of the deal? Am I getting a guaranteed uh, 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 championship? No. You better believe you are. I'm a championship type player. I'm playoff Pete. I did that is the dumbest. It's the dumbest thing, you know. And, and, and this thing about you telling people, uh, you know, because you're the one, he's the one who, even after he was in Oklahoma City, tell people, um, don't bother trading for me because I'm going to LA next year. What happened to that? Again, all, all things he said, all things he said. He didn't want to take a pay cut. That's it. That's the thing. But, you know, look, the problem I have with the media, okay, the the only time I'm going to side with Donald Trump is that 
they make their own stories. They don't want to tell it like it is because like, they don't want Paul George to cause it with them and dreams against me or, you know. But that's what it is. Like I'm telling them Wednesday, we are going to say, forget it with the championship bullshit. Everybody took the money. LeBron took the money. You think LeBron didn't realize when he takes that amount of money that it's not going to be enough room, cap room for, for Kawhi Leonard? Unless they give away half the, the, the give away assets that, that the Spurs is not going to want? LeBron knows that. Why is he using patience now? Because, you know, we're not going no place next year. Hey, 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 hey. Wait, hey, they get... Hey, Callie, don't sleep on Lance Stevenson, Callie. Don't sleep on Lance Stevenson. He'll surprise you. <laughs> Look, unless Lance Stevenson is going to run a car down to Oakland and knock down four of the Warriors, you know, yeah, yeah it's time that, you know. I, I hate when people are unrealistic. I mean, you have the truth based in you, and and and, and, and you don't want to, you know, you know. And that's the thing, like I said, that's what I I get this stuff with the media, is because there's questions I I, I just want to know if they can act. It's like it's like it's like the president always beat people over the head with, oh. They should be American. They gotta respect the anthem and all they do. And they put your hand in the chest. How come nobody looks gathering in a corner and say, How come when it was your turn to be patriotic and defend this country and go to Vietnam, you took two of the three diplomats? They call you three times to get diplomats three times. You didn't you didn't want a chance to to, to go and be glorious? And now she turn around and Hold on, I'll talk to you in a minute. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is trying to get You know, I, I, I don't see it. Yeah. But, uh, but it, it, it's just comical, like, how these guys are trying to save face without just being real with it. It's like, you were the second option. You didn't like being the second option. You liked the fact that Oklahoma City needed you and could pay you more. So you stayed. That's really all that comes down to it. You, you could have you said anything else, but the Lakers really didn't want me. They wanted you last year. It's just the fact that why would they give up that much and have to pay a tampering charge and not have anyone to build around you and you would have been sulking about it. And you would have been, you would have made the playoffs last year. Because if it's just you, you're not good enough to make it in the Western Conference on your own. Period. But look, that's that's the whole thing. That that that's it. That the press just let him get away with. They, they don't want to sit him down and 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 and, and tell him that yeah, we would have called you, but you're loaded, and we first gotta get back, man. That's the whole thing, you know. The, 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 the Lakers wanted to get back man, and he'd love it. You know, the way Paul George talks, like in Oklahoma City, he's tearing it up. You know that? Yeah. Like he's tearing it up. You know, teach Trimble when you got to come up against me a Westbrook. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, I just look at it, I'm like, okay, if you're okay with being the five seed or the four seed in the West, I mean, all right, it's just more, more power to you, I guess. I don't know. But it's like, if you actually think Westbrook's going to do anything more than he's done the last two years, you got to be kidding yourself because the way Westbrook plays, it's unsustainable long-term because he doesn't involve his teammates. So sooner or later, the amount of energy he's expending, it's going to backfire. Look, look. Let me tell you something. And like I say, I know these media guys who start and everybody. I like Chris, eh? But they can tell me what they want. Okay? If you become good, with some scopolamine and you ask them honestly what they think about Westbrook Westbrook you get you get the reason because nobody can look at Chris uh, uh, Kevin Durant in in um, San Francisco with Golden State over these last two years and not see what went on in Oklahoma City. If you can't see what went on in Oklahoma City, then you don't want to see. Okay, if you, if you can't figure that out, 
by looking at that team and looking at Durant, then, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I can't help you with that. Because you could see the way that team played and Durant played, who was a force Clearly, Durant was jealous of Russ and his ability. That's why he had to go to Golden State. <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, it, it's just tired. It really is tiresome because, believe me, no one is ever going to feel sorry for Durant because, you know, when you join Golden State and you join... A, like, uh, you already joined a championship team. They can say what they want. They're like, Draymond cost the Warriors that title against the Cavs. The Cavs didn't really win it. It was more Golden State losing it uh, and, and putting themselves in a bad position. But at, at the end of the day, you had, you, had, you, you had a Golden State team that should have lost to Oklahoma City. Durant goes and joins it. No one agreed with the decision. But part of it had to do with the fact that Durant didn't trust anyone else after playing with Westbrook. I still think that there's a, a very good chance that Durant leaves the Warriors and joins up with another team to call his own and actually do it on his own, uh, like the the way most people would. But he wanted to have an actual team around it, and I think that was the biggest motivation because he saw how much fun Golden State had because he's close with Draymond, and Draymond kept talking about how much of a brotherhood it is with the Warriors, and he wanted that. He wanted it because he know he knew what he had with uh, with Westbrook wasn't a healthy relationship. So that's what it came down to. The only thing, the only other team I could have seen Durant joining after playing with Westbrook was if he went to the Spurs, and I didn't think the Spurs had the space to sign him. I didn't think they had, you know, what it took to sign it. You know. But he really didn't want to play with Westbrook anymore. You know, and when you see how he plays, look, I and all had to add down and say, don't play a big game. Because I saw it a couple of times. Now, looking back on it, I'm realizing the type of player that he is, he probably tells himself, you know what? I don't need this shit. Because every time, you know, maybe in the in the in the the NBA finals that year he put it down to Westbrook being in the finals for the first time and they were excited or whatever. But I guess after they had the Warriors in that hole, and with that game six, I guess he probably just figured, you know what? I don't need this shit. Because the coach and them ain't going to tell him nothing. You know. This is not my job, and I don't need to go through this Again, this, this, this egomaniac that I have on my team here, 
you know, I, I, I gotta get out of it. I gotta get out of it. And he just figured, look, I'm looked at the warrior. Yeah, because if you watch all of Steph Curry kids, Steph Curry is supposed to be the leader of that team. If you watch how Steph plays, it's not like Steph always runs up there and shoots 50 shots. Don't play like that. When he's hot, he just takes it. And if, if somebody gets off before him, he just has experience. And that's how Clay Thompson killed you on some days. You know, because Clay knows that if he's, if he's hot, he has the green light. And he knows he has the green light from the leaders on the team. Durant probably looked at that and said, that's the way you're supposed to play. You know what? I don't care. I'm taking all this shit for these years, and I'm going to go and take, I'm going to be with these guys. You know, and like you say, it's those with Raymond. And, you know, the other thing that, 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 that happened with, with, with people in, 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 in the public, and the media let them get away with it. People act as though these guys are enemies. You know, like, come on, I'll talk to uh, uh, this one. And These guys talk speech all the time. People get carried away with these things. You know, you know, I mean, magic, magic and, and Isaiah are they falling out. And still, the other day, I'm watching at a, uh, uh, yep, Kelly. Yeah, it looks like we lost Kelly a little bit there. Well, uh, we're running a bit long on the interview anyway, so we'll, we'll talk uh, uh, circle back with him later after the Croatia Russia match. So uh, that's going to do it for uh, this episode. Uh, I'll uh, loop in the, the NFL a bit uh, in the, my next episode, as well as uh, uh, headlining the semifinal matchups uh, once uh, the uh, once uh, we get the uh, decision on the Croatia Russia match. So have a good one, folks. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we'll tune in next time uh, for a little bit more fantasy throwdown. Take care. <laughs> It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll, I'll take Giselle, okay? <laughs> is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.